Uh, This morning we are finishing Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Matthew 11, 25 through 30 is our text this morning. Our title is Jesus, Our Rest. Uh, Reality Ventura will be joining us. Let's say hi to them. Reality Ventura, we love you. Thankful for you. I'll be reading out of the NIV this morning. It says this, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, for you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray with me. God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for the truths that it hold. And thank you that it is for us today. We ask, Lord, that you would reveal those truths to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. That you would soften our hearts to receive these today. That you would apply them to our own lives. That we would know the way in which we are to go. That your word would be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We believe that it's living and it's active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And we gather around you today, Christ. We gather to hear from you, to worship you. We ask that your will would be done, your kingdom come in this place. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Today, we have a personal invitation from the Son of God, to come unto himself. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. And in amongst the the, the crowds, there's a few different types of people. There's the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There's, There's sinners that God came to save. And all of them are wrapped up in this fallen world. God's invitation to them is to come to me, those that are weary and burdened. And in that crowd, for the religious leaders, they would have been wearied and burdened by trying to perform. To to try to perform in righteousness, realizing that they couldn't obtain righteousness on their own strength. There would have been sinners in in that crowd that would have been weary from the weight of sin in their own lives. And all of them would have felt the effects of sin in this fallen world. And they were weary and they were burdened. And Jesus is inviting them into something. He's inviting them to himself. And like that crowd on the northern edge of Galilee, these things apply to to humanity. These things apply to us as well. So much of our life is spent trying to do things on our own, with our own might, Much of it apart from God. And when, and if we already haven't realized that we can't do things apart from Christ, we've become weary and tired and heavily burdened living apart from Christ or living on our own. And so Jesus confronts this and he invites us in 
to something very special today. Verses 25 through 26, excuse me, he starts with a prayer. He starts with a prayer. He says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. He stops addressing the crowd for a moment and he stops and he prays to his father who's in heaven. And he's thankful to God for the way in which God has revealed himself to humanity through the person of Jesus Christ. See, the way in which the gospel came to earth came through the person of Jesus Christ. It came to not first the educated and the wealthy and the, the, the people of status in society, but the gospel first came to the simple-minded, the outcast, the downtrodden, the uneducated. And in many ways, God did that to clearly show his compassion for humanity. The first people that Jesus, God in the flesh, encountered were the social outcasts were the ones that people wouldn't, wouldn't even be near, the, the lepers and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. It doesn't mean that the good news or the truth of the gospel wasn't for the educated or wasn't for the wealthy. It was for them too. But the good news, the good news is for, for everyone. See, there's no prerequisite or any form of human knowledge required in order to understand or believe in Jesus Christ. The gospel is for the whole world. It's for the learned and the unlearned, the rich and the poor. The gospel is for us that think we have it all together and for those of us that were in shambles and have no hope. This truth would have been very much directed to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the crowd because they were the educated and the proud and the deeply respected leaders at the time. And much of the Gospels, you know, are filled with the interaction between these religious leaders and Jesus. And much of it was the contrast of their view, their legalistic view or interpretation of the law compared to the grace and mercy that we find in the Gospel presented by Jesus. But the truth is, is that the good news of the gospel is good news to everyone. Right? It's it's good news for those of us that, that think we do have it all together and for those of us that just are broken and so in need. I love Isaiah 59.1. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not too short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. There is no one, there's no one that's too far from the gospel. That's what Jesus is bringing up here. And the point he's making as well is to have a childlike faith. That we may think we have to obtain to some level of understanding or we need to go to seminary or we need to go to church this many times or in order to believe or in order to know Jesus. But Jesus here refers to those who believe as children. And the idea here is that true discipleship can be enjoyed only by those who come to Christ in a childlike faith. That we come as we are. 
And that's why this matters to us this morning is that we can come to God as we are. We don't need to clean ourselves up before we present ourselves to God. That's God's job. I think we have this idea where we need to, we need to, to do better and we need to, to live a certain way. And once we do that, God will accept us. No, you've been fully accepted by the blood of the Lamb that died on the cross. See, the gospel is, has come to the weak and the poor and the powerless, the undeserving, so that God can do the work of cleaning us up. God can do that redemptive, sanctifying work in our lives. This is good news, church. This is, this is, this is incredible news for us this morning, that we don't need to obtain to a certain knowledge or standard or level of personal righteousness. That we just need to come. Come as we are to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 27, Jesus continues, and he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. See, thus far, all that Jesus had taught all the power and all the authority that he had when he performed those miracles and when he you know, healed the blind man and made the deaf hear once again. All these messianic miracles were from God the Father. All the authority, all the power was from God the Father because he was proving once again his deity, that Jesus was God, that he was the Son of God. And before the crowds and really in front of all of humanity, He was declaring that he was the son of God. We call this the incarnation. God incarnate. God in the flesh. Jesus was fully God and fully man. The God man, we call him. This is Jesus Christ. We see this truth in John chapter 1. Verse 1 and verse 14. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God. And his point in the text here in verse 27 is that the way in which God has revealed himself to man is through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the way in which the fullness of God has been revealed to humanity. And for these Jews living in this Jewish culture, for much of their life they would have studied the scriptures, they would have studied the Old Testament, they would have memorized it by the age of 13. And they knew who God was. They knew about the God that rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, that parted the Red Sea that was with them as they wandered in the wilderness with the cloud of fire by night and the, and, excuse me, the, cloud, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. They knew the God of the Old Testament. But Jesus is claiming, and he is, he is that God. He is the one true living God. He is, they're seeing God in person. There's 
God is before their eyes. They're seeing his, his kingdom come. And, he's, and they're seeing him move. They're seeing him heal. They're seeing him raise from the dead. They're seeing the kingdom of God on earth. See, God is the God the Father is refi- excuse me, is revealed in Jesus the Son. God the Father is revealed in Jesus the Son the Son. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, New Living Translation says this. Read this with me. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, the Old Testament. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. Listen to this, verse 3. The Son radiates God's own glory, and he expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. I want to read verse 3 just in the NASB, just to to bring this home a bit more. And Jesus, he, Jesus, is the radiance of God. His, God's glory, and the exact representation of God's nature. If you're wanting to know the God of the Old Testament, the one true living God, the maker of heaven and earth, then look no further than to the person of Jesus Christ. This is what is said in our text this morning. And with that backdrop, Jesus, God in the flesh, gives humanity an invitation. Verse 28, read with me. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this is is such an incredible statement. Because in that time of history, there were strict laws and rules of who was allowed to be in the presence of God. You know, at the time of the tabernacle and the temple in Israel, the high priest was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies that had the Ark of the Covenant that represented the person and the presence of God. And he did that to present a sin offering so that the sins of Israel could be covered for a year, and then he would do it once a year. And as we look in the Old Testament, you know, we, we see God. We see the same God in the Old Testament as we do in the New, but we see him somewhat of a distance. Yes, he was a relational, intimate God. And for sure, he loved to speak people, and he spoke to them, and he led them. But now, God in the flesh was asking all of humanity to come to him. I mean, think of it. God was was here, and God was there, and he was powerful, and he was big, and there's this one man that could see, that could be in his presence once a year, and now the God of the universe was standing in front of them, and he was saying, come to me. What a perfect, holy God. What an amazing, perfect, holy God that would allow not only allow, but let alone beckon sinful humanity to himself. 
And this is the invitation that we have from Jesus for us today. And there's no strings attached. There's no hurdles to jump over. There's no certain level of sanctification or or self-righteousness that we need to experience in order to know Christ. I mean, think about this. The same God that holds the heavens in the span of his hands, that made every one of the 37.2 trillion cells in our human bodies, that great, grand, all-knowing, all-powerful God that died for us, that rose again from the dead in order to forgive us of our sins, that same God now beckons us to come unto him. Oh, the grandeur of God, but the nearness of God at the same time. For a moment, envision yourself standing in front of Jesus, knowing that he's God, the same God that was prophesied in the Old Testament, that, wo- that, that moved and led the people of Israel, standing in front of you saying, come to me. Come to me, all those who are weary and burdened. Jesus' invite here is pretty specific. It's those that are weary and burdened. So who, so who is that? Number one in this crowd is those weary from trying to perform. You know, in this context, it, it would seem that the religious leaders of the day, their view and their interpretation of the law was putting an incredible weight and burden on the people. And not only was the word of God that they were presenting to the people, but there was a way in which you had to live out the word of God. There was things that were added to it. There was interpretations of it. It wasn't the law in itself that was putting the burden on the people, but it was their view and their interpretation. And the religious leaders and the people of that time were becoming weary trying to perform, trying to obtain a certain righteousness on their own strength. And for us, It's all of us that are trying to perform and do good and say, if only I was better, if only I tried harder, everything would be okay. And when we realize that we can't, when we realize that we can't obtain a righteous standing before God on our own strength and in our own ways, we become weary and burdened by it. Because we're not supposed to, we're not meant to. The second reason why we may become weary and burdened is from the weight of sin. Another reason why we might become weary and burdened is because all the junk of our past has piled up. All the things we've broken, all the people we've hurt, all our failures, and the weight of that is just too much to bear. Maybe it's that we're in sin currently. And the guilt and the weight and the consequences of that is just burdening us. And, we, and, we, and we're here today and we're tired and we're weary. I believe when Jesus is giving this invitation to come to him, that also we can be wearied and burdened by the world and by the effects of this fallen world that we have to live in. You know, we may not be performing and trying to live, uh, you know, righteously on our own strength. We may not be in sin or be, you know, weighed down by sin. 
But because we just live in this world, that it's not designed, we're not, we're not designed to live in a fallen world. We're not designed to live with sin or the effects of sin. And from that, there's all these horrific things that are in our world today. Right? It's, it, there's heartbreak and stress and anxiety and pain and fear and unrest and discord, etc., etc. And so often we can easily become depressed and discouraged and beaten down and downtrodden and weary and burdened in our pursuit of Christ in the midst of a fallen world. Because again, we weren't designed to be here. And anytime something is used for something it was not designed to be used for, there's consequences. A very simple illustration would be what a lot of us guys do with tools. We use a tool that's designed for this in a different way, and it breaks. Uh, I'm impatient. I don't like that about me. Work in progress, sanctification, right? But I've done this so many times, and I haven't learned with screwdrivers, right? A screwdriver is to unscrew something, a screw, a nut. Phillips said flathead, right? So I have that, but then I need, oh, I need something to pry this thing. Hey, I could use something else, but the tool's all the way in the garage. Why not just use the screwdriver? What happens? Well, the screwdriver gets bent or breaks. And what is it good for then? Nothing. Nothing. And in the same way, there is real effects that this world can have on us because we're not really designed to live in it. When sin entered the world and the effects of sin, we're living in this fallen world now. And why... That aspect hits home for me so much is that the last five years, this, this process of um, five years ago or so is when the Lord first told my wife and I about Reality Honolulu and us planning a church and this whole season that we've been in. And the last five years have been really hard. And not because of sin or me trying to perform and obtain some, some sort of righteousness or do it on my own. But there's just been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of pain. There's a, little, a lot of relational issues. Um, t- had two kids that don't sleep and that are crazy. <laughs> and, and I'm not only talking about phys- physically tired. But I feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, this world, me living in this world, has stretched me and tested me and refined me and crushed me. And it's been hard. And there's been multiple times over the last five years that me and my wife have played this just kind of funny game. We have this funny dialogue, this funny conversation. I'll, I'll have you enter into it for a second with me. Uh, it's slightly a form of escapism, meaning when things get really hard, and we know it's really hard because one of us asked this question to us. Hey, if you could just like, be anywhere in the world right now, free of everything, and just having fun, where would you be? And we do that because we really love traveling. It's the most life-giving thing for us. We did a lot of it before we had kids. And uh, it's just a way that it helps us just escape for a second. And usually, the answer is somewhere fun or somewhere fun in the world. And we're like, oh, that would be so awesome. But we're not there, so cool conversation. (laughs) But it helps just for a second, right? Go, oh, man, life is so hard. It's like I am just feel beat up, weary, and burdened right now. It just helps for a second to be like, oh, I wish I was there. But I found myself the last few years not giving an amazing answer 
of where in the world I would go. But rather, when she would ask me something, I'd be like, all I want to do right now is like go in the room and go to sleep. All I want to do is sleep. All I want to do is just be still and do nothing. And it, what it was, it was it's just a window into my unrest. It was a window into my weariness. And again, it wasn't because of sin or, or performance. It was just like, man, I just feel like this world's beaten me up. Good things and bad things, but I, I'm beat up. I'm weary and I'm burdened. This, this, this text or this invitation really speaks to me this morning. And I have a feeling it, it's, it's speaking to all of us because all of humanity is in a state of unrest. See, we do fall in one of those categories. We're either trying to perform and realize we can't become self-righteous on our own strength, and so we're weary, right? We're either like those religious leaders that are just trying to do this, this live a good life on our own strength, and I can do it myself, and it's not working, and we become weary. Or we're feeling the weight of sin, right, and the consequences of sin. We look at the past, and we're, and we're weighed down, and we're burdened. Or you're like me, that have really felt the brokenness of this world. And you're really left weary and heavy laden. What Jesus does is he uses another illustration or analogy of a yoke. It's important we understand what that is. Um, a yoke is a tool usually used primarily for farming um, to, to be put on animals for tilling or plowing of a field. And the yoke was a device that either was worn by two animals or one animal, and it was to disperse the load amongst both evenly. So if you had two animals, the load that you were pulling or tilling would be evenly dispersed for each animal so that none was weighed down. And if you had a single yoke, it was so that each side of your body had the equal amount of weight, and so there was effective in farming. And he uses this comparison because... All of us have a yoke from the way in which we live our lives. All of us have a yoke, so to speak. Meaning there's, we're burdened or weighed down by certain things. And this is what Jesus offers. He offers two things. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you two things. One is I'll give you rest. And he goes on to clarify his rest for your souls. And the second thing he says is, I'll exchange my yoke for yours. So this idea of rest. Like we've talked about, so often our mode of operation is that we live our lives how we want, right? We, we spin our wheels, we strive, we fight, and we try to achieve rest or peace or Happiness or joy, right? We all try to do that. But our efforts to obtain rest, are, if we haven't found our, our ready, are, are really futile apart from God. See, God is the source of all life. He's the source of all good things. He's full of and can provide us with everything that he intended for us before sin entered the world. He's the God of all comfort. He gives us life in that abundantly. We know that about God, right? Psalm 68, 19. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. That's what God does. But if we come to God, if we, if we come to God 
with this invitation that he's giving us. He not only can, you know, give us this, this general idea of rest, but for those of us that are trying to perform and strive and, and do good, he can give us freedom or rest from performance because he's already won. He's already performed for us. He lived a sinless life and died a perfect death so that we wouldn't have to. Amen? He'll give us freedom or rest from sin. Like, that's why he came. He, gave, he came to free the captives of the weight and the burden and the wrath of sin. When we come to God with our sin, he gives us rest from it. And also, he can give us rest from this fallen world that we live in. He can give us peace where there is no peace. He can give us joy where there is no joy. And the reason why he can give us rest is because he knows us and he made us and he's the only one that can truly give our soul rest. You know, we, we might try a lot of temporary things that might give us a little rest or a little peace at certain moments or in certain times, but we all know that we end up empty and broken. We all end up needing more and wanting more. It's, be, it's because he is truly the only one that can give our inner being real rest. He says, come to me and I'll give your soul rest. He goes on to say that he'll also exchange our yokes. See, if we live our lives on our own strength, by our own yoke, so to speak, will eventually break. See, we're not made to carry the load and the weight of sin or the effects of sin or, or the effects of, of this world to us. We're not made to live this life alone. We're not made to. We're not designed to. And we may think that we're strong, but none of us are able to carry the load. Only God has the broad, broad enough shoulders to carry the weight of sin. He did that upon the cross. Only he has the shoulders to carry the effects of sin and free us from the bondage of sin. And he is the only one that can truly give us rest and peace in this fallen world. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Learn from me. Don't fear. I am gentle in heart. And I think it's so interesting that Jesus uses the word yoke because that denotes work. See, if I want to trade my yoke with Jesus, I want to give him all my problems and my drama and the stuff. I want to give him my self-righteousness and the sin which so easily entangles me. And I want him to give, give me nothing. Like complete peace. I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything. I just want to be free of everything, Lord. But that's not what he does here. He actually gives us a yoke. He gives us his yoke. See, Jesus' yoke is not one that allows us to just not experience life anymore or not experience hardship or the complexities of life. But instead, his yoke is living in God's promises and, and it's walking and, and he's bearing the load for us and with us and he's doing life with us doesn't mean that you're free of everything. It doesn't mean escapism, like our little game that me and my life play. Like, I just want to be done with everything, Lord. The Lord says, well, well, no. You're still living in this fallen world. But you can either live this life with me or without me. You can either 
try to bear the burden of your own self-righteousness or your own sin or the effects of sin. Or I can give you my yoke, which is easy, and my burden that is light. I mentioned I have kids. Um, I have an amazing three-and-a-half-year-old girl. This is her. Her name's Eva. Um, she, it's so hard just to not say yes to her to anything. Right? I just, I get it now. My parents, you're just like, yeah, whatever you want. You're so cute. She is amazing. She is wonderful. She has um, given me such a better understanding of God's heart, of the father heart of God to me, being a father. doesn't mean that you, you have to be a father to, 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 you know, obviously fully understand the father's love for you. But for me personally, it has done such a wonderful, amazing thing to have a child of my own that I care for and really understand the Father's love for me. And as amazing and as awesome as she is, she is, she is uh, strong-willed and she's stubborn. And my wife and I uh, refer to her as our three-nager right now. She's a teenager in a three-year-old body. Um, she, specifically right now, she wants to do everything on her own first by herself, and she wants no help with it. Even the most impossible tasks, right? That's too heavy. That's too big. Oh, you're going to get hurt. Like, you don't understand what you're saying, you know, but, but she's stubborn and she wants to do it on her own. She wants to do everything herself. And often, most of the time, she gets frustrated, and hurt, and, you know, often throws a tantrum, right? Because she can't do it. She can't do the thing which she's trying to do. She gets frustrated, and, you know, just starts throwing, you know, like she throws a tantrum. And, remind, you know, my response to her is, you know, I get down, and, you know, I, I say, you know, baby, I call her Bubba. Bubba, c- come here, come here. You know, she's, she's going crazy, tantrum. Three-year-old, three-nager tantrum. There's nothing like it, by the way. It's the wildest thing I've ever seen. But I get down and I say, baby, come, come here, come here. And she, she fights it for a bit, but then she finally gives in. And, you know, we talk. And I, I teach her and I help her and, and I show her and I explain to her maybe, like, why she couldn't do that. And let me help you. Let me, let me try to explain this to you. But I'm realizing that we are often like my daughter a lot when it comes to our Heavenly Father. This is what I mean by that. We just try to do this whole thing on our own. We don't want help. We want to do it on our own time, in our own strength. We want to try to perform. We want to try to do good. We don't, we're just going to try to not deal with the pain of sin and the consequences of sin. And we're just going to, you know, pull up our bootstraps and do this thing on our own. And we break. And we get fed up and we get exhausted and we get burnt and it leaves us weary and heavy laden. And we're laying on the, on the floor, so to speak. But God the Father, in the same way that I see the whole situation of my three and a half year old, he sees the state of our hearts. He sees what we're doing. He understands far better than I could to my daughter everything about us. And what he's doing is came to earth. He denied himself. He came to earth and he's bending down from heaven, beckoning us to come unto him. He knows it all. 
And he is the only one that can make all things well with our soul. And he's inviting us because he sees our brokenness and he sees our weariness. Just like I see my daughter's frustration. God sees us and says, come to me. And the way in which we come to him, it all comes down to the posture of our heart. First and foremost, it comes down to surrender. It's just, it's just recognizing, like, I cannot do this on my own. Now, for those of us that struggle with self-righteousness and self-reliance, it's coming to that, that death to self and that surrender to God. Like, for my daughter, it's just her giving up and being like, I can't do this. I need help. It's also trusting that God knows best. Not only that, like, God, I can't do it, but saying, God, but I do, I, I do trust that you know best. And so take my life. Take my life. I can't do this. I can't obtain to a certain righteousness. I can't deal with sin and the effects of sin, and I can't live in this fallen world. And it's allowing him to lead our lives. And it's coming under the lordship of Christ. And it's exchanging our yoke and our burden that is heavy for his that is easy and his that is light. I want to read you Psalm 62 to end. It says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. You can just listen, close your eyes, you can just soak this in. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend upon God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I want to charge us today to take up Jesus' invitation to come unto him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this incredible invitation that you offer all of humanity. And God, as we enter in this time of worship, we ask that we would come to you, that you would meet us, that our yokes would be exchanged, that the weight and the burden of our own self-righteousness or our own sin or just the fact that we live in a fallen world would be replaced with your yoke that is easy and your burden that is light. And God, I pray that we would experience and know rest for our souls today. So badly want that, Lord. We so badly want to receive that from you. We say yes and amen to that, Lord. We're thankful for this invitation and we pray that we would take it. Help us, Lord, too. Break down our pride, break down our unwillingness, break down our self-reliance. Help us, Lord, to humbly come to you and say, God, I can't do this. I'm not designed to, I'm not meant to. Help us, Lord. We love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.